to the Sojourn Church podcast. We are glad you are here, and thanks for listening. As a church, we exist to exalt and enjoy the supremacy of Jesus Christ in all things, equip the saints, and extend the gospel to all people by reproducing disciples and churches for the glory of God. More information about the life and mission of Sojourn Church can be found at SojournTulsa.org. That's S-O-J-O-U-R-N, Tulsa.org. We are, um, like I said, we're going to be looking at um, Acts chapter 6. And we're going to just cover those first um, seven verses. So um, there's a lot packed in there. Um, and so we're going to break that down the next uh, um Two Sundays we will cover um, kind of the scenario that happens and the rest of Acts chapter 6 and then Acts chapter 7, divide those two things up with um, Stephen's preaching there and then what happens after that. And so um, we'll be looking at that these next couple of weeks. So if you want to turn to that in your Bible or your device, and we'll have the scriptures on the screen there. Um, When Jamie and I were, um, before we had kids, and uh, we were uh, part of the traveling team. We lived in Los Angeles for a couple of summers, for two different summers. We'd go out there and live for like three months. And when we were out there, we would go on to the campus of USC and some on UCLA and downtown Hollywood and, or downtown LA and then also to Hollywood. And so the whole purpose, we had about 50 college students from across the United States, different places. And so we'd go and we'd do some evangelism, but also learn how to do just like kind of sitting down and how to but instead of just like a quick canned evangelism, but like how do you just talk to people or in awkward spaces, that, that, that kind of cushion zone of breaking into conversations. First, just kind of getting, being able to talk to people. And one of the things that began to happen as we were in the Hollywood area um, and, and some around USC, um, but uh, there was a lot of people that would be um, kind of, um, of the, the, the poorest of the poor. And some, some were homeless, but some were um, just truly just had nothing. So they had no place to live, but they sometimes, uh, they might have a, a little place to live, but just had no food. And so our students, after two or three or four weeks, and we would be doing this a couple of times a week, uh, sometimes two or three times a week, um, they would just be broken because here they were kind of learning how to share the gospel with people and learning about these different, um, we studied different world religions and how you kind of break into relationships with people that are Muslim or Hindu or Buddhist and and then um, seeing some of the needs that they had in some of those cultures there. And then um, what was very clear, and we, we loved seeing this, was that the students began to see, we're coming with um, this gospel message and sometimes they've heard the gospel repeatedly because Salvation Army, uh, John 3.16, L.A. has tons of huge ministries like that, just huge ministries, particularly for um, huge masses of um, homelessness. And so when they, sometimes they know more Scripture than, than people in churches. And, and so um, and sometimes it's, there's some mental illness. Sometimes there's some major life events that hit people's lives and wreck those lives. And so... We would be going with you know, trying to just share the gospel, and so some you know people on a variance on a scale. Some people just they thought it was a task. Just here's the two steps. Step one is you know get to the peaks of people. Step two, share the gospel. Move on. That was it. And so some of them began to see they've got immediate needs. They're starving. That they don't have a place to live. So. Um, instead of just skipping over or trying to shush them on their needs and not listen, they go, hey, I've, I've, I'm trying to share the gospel with you. Will you shut up about your problems? 
hey, I'm trying, I'm going, I've got this little thing that I'm practicing. Would you shut up about your life and how, how poor it is? And so, you know, some would be more like that, but the, the greater majority were really burdened and compassionate um, because they were thinking, how am I bringing this? And they know the story. They know these things. Um, but yet, I, don't, I, I can't give them $2, which would be like 200 or $5, or to buy them a meal, or to sometimes give them some clothing. Uh, sometimes the nights get cool there. And so um, it was a beautiful picture of um, overlooking an immediate need, a, a, an immediate physical need to do a gospel work. And so that's what we're going to see in the, uh, chapter 6 here. A lot of times, um, missions, they do this. Uh, so if you have been with a college ministry or sometimes high school ministries, a lot of times every year they have a trip to Mexico, a little village in Mexico. They go down, they, they buy some cinder blocks, they build this church building, and, and, but yet, um, depending on the weather, depending on hurricanes, depending on different situations and the area that you're in, the whole village... There may be 10, 20, 30 families that don't have safe living, that are literally in tents or lean-tos, and yet they come and they build this you know, church building, and yet the people that are there, the people, if they get into the village or they start talking to people, hey, this is the fifth year that I know you guys have done this, I'm still homeless. I, I still don't have water. I still don't have food. And so sometimes missionaries run into that. Um, so it's a, it's a common thing. And so um, it's easy sometimes, even as God is doing a good work and, and Christians have good intentions to look over the physical needs because we're doing the, these spiritual things. And so um, the point there is that it's a beautiful picture of God cares about both the spiritual and the physical. Um, you would probably be shocked if you really just took the time to slow down to see how many times Jesus walks into a place heal something, and, and the words that we do have recorded, it wasn't about, and also, as I do this, you are a sinful person. You need to repent of your sins. Put your faith in me, and you'll have eternal life. He didn't do that. He didn't do that many, many, many times. Sometimes he just said, uh, your, your, your faith here is what's healed you. Sometimes he would, he would just go, go and tell these people. Sometimes he said, don't go and tell people. And so, man, we would give him an F as far as good evangelistic methods. In fact, you know, we'd, we'd worry about him either being too woke and, 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 you know, why are you doing that with those people? Or we'd be too worried about him being too social injustice focused. And, and God is all of those things. God is caring about the physical and the spiritual. And so um, think, think through um, the little stories he has about the birds. Tomorrow, God has a budget to provide for every bird to be able to eat tomorrow. So, I mean, that, that's not just stored up in this place, right? He, he has a plan for birds to be able to eat tomorrow. Think through humans. He has this plan of providing our physical needs, our clothing, our, our food, uh, the breath that we breathe. And we just assume those things. That's kind of just being human. That's a big part for him. And so we have to think through that and not get mixed up there because um, the gospel shows Jesus caring about both of those things. And so this story here shows some physical needs as God is doing beautiful things, healings, miracles, tons and tons of people getting saved, literally thousands getting saved, um, all kinds of uh, spiritual things happening. And yet there's this part that's overlooked. And the story doesn't tell us how bad they were or how wrong they were. We'll talk about that, like how this happened. But that's what we're going to see here. And what you see here is the church 
is about the spiritual things, but also we can't just look over the physical. As we've been going through this, um, think through some of the things that Luke's tried to bring out. Luke's intent so far that we know about the church so far. I have a slide there showing. There is unity and love. There is devotion to Bible teaching. There's prayer. Um, They were committed to one another. There was radical generosity. They were very others-oriented. Remember, selling off stuff to care for these people. And now you know what God does? Hey, church, um, there are some people, it's not just the physical needs. You're still overlooking some things. What, What does the community hear about when all these needs are being met? Man, they must really love one another. They must really care for one another. They're even selling their stuff off. So it's others-oriented. We saw some judgment. Um, We saw serving others, miraculous signs, persecution, bold preaching, um, holy reverence. Remember when Ananias and Sapphira die? Um, All of a sudden, it was like, okay, this is getting serious. Like, God's really serious about sin here. Um, Worship, praise, gathering for worship, and scattering into home Bible studies and serving those people. And so you see all those things that that Luke has been intentional on bringing out. One more thing that's not um, necessarily brought out a whole lot, Sin. There was sin going on all the time. You can't have a church without sin, right? Um, now, some, some of you may have grown up hearing that that's exactly the opposite, that, you know, no, no church doesn't have any sin. But we know you can't have a church because the church is people without sin. So what was also going on? Just looking over things. When people in their small group or their house, their home study got uh, rude or brought up some old baggage stuff. It was just looked over and forgiven. They were merciful. They were graceful. So um, we see this continued picture of forgiveness and mercy and grace for one another. All those things are happening. And it said, and great grace was poured out on these people. Um, and, and in that, what we're seeing is the gospel, the, the living the way of Jesus, is transforming and changing the culture. It wasn't Judaism anymore. It wasn't other world religions, so you've see, you're seeing people that learning about the way Jesus lived, the way Jesus taught, the stories that Jesus taught, the truths that he taught, and then his life, his death, his resurrection being applied and available to them, the forgiveness of sins and atonement. That was the gospel message. And so that's coming on. So you're seeing the gospel gain ground and traction, and there's movement of the gospel and the kingdom. And now last week we saw where it even moved outside of Jerusalem. Um, and so um, in that, um, Jesus is, there's this you know, kind of thinking that people could say sometimes, like, can't we just all just, just love Jesus and get along? We don't have to worry about these disagreements. Can't we just love Jesus and get along? Well, well Jesus was actually not the proponent of that. He was going, hey, actually, I'm going to allow things to pop up inside the body where you're different from one another, and, and you're going to need me on day five and day 500, and day 5,000. You don't just get to need me for salvation first, and then on your own goodness of heart, and your own willpower, you'll be able to defeat sin, and be able to treat people wonderful. You're going to need me more and more. God loves that, for us to be trusting him, to see how powerful he is. And so he wants us to perpetually need him. So there's this journey of growth inside the body, inside our own hearts, and we're growing in the gospel, but then there's, there's growth with people as they see that happening, and it's gaining traction, gospel traction there. So perpetually needing more of Jesus, not just facts. Well, didn't Jesus say that? Well, I'm not going to apply that. No, this person hurts your feelings. This situation happens. Man, I've got to soften my heart. I want to become more like Jesus. Hey, Spirit, would you change me more? Transform me. I want to react this way. I, I know that that's wrong. 
Would you forgive my heart for the way I'm thinking? Would you forgive me for the way I'm frustrated with him? Would you allow grace to come and take that over? And so that's what's happening. So a beautiful thing. In the middle of all that, there's still these needs that we see. Um, The main idea here is that the Spirit uses the gospel and our obedience to grow the church, to save souls, and transform selfish rebels into humbled worshipers. And as that expands, the people of God have to adjust and modify their hearts and actions to serve the needs and the ministries of the church. So let's read this uh, verses 1 through 7 here. Um, starting in uh, chapter 6, verse 1. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the, and the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It's not right that we should give up teaching and preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And as they and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. So, Father, we come to you thanking you for this provision that you've done in this work. For us to see this, we can look at it as almost a humanly endeavor sometimes, as thinking of the church and all of our work. But yet, God, when we pause and really look at, at this picture, this is people that had nothing, no reason to get together except for the unity they have in Christ. There was no reason to love one another, to have community, to, to follow your teaching, to uh, join together in serving one another and serving those around them if it wasn't for your provision, for your grace to save us, for your grace to bring us together. You save us not only from our sins, but you save us into a community of believers. Um, God, we pray that you would help us to to gain wisdom today and to gain um, insight on how that applies to our life in in a small, small church plant here in um, Tulsa, so far away from Jerusalem. But yet, God, even in 2023, we're seeing that these things apply, that this is wisdom from you, that this is your plan for your body and your people. So help us today, guide us in this, and we want to enjoy you more and enjoy one another more in that process. In your name we pray, amen. So um, as we see this, let's look at this first little section here. and We're going to see that this um, God's gift of growth, as he's growing the church, also causes some needs to arise. And that's not a bad thing. Um, says there in verse 1, in these days, as these things are going on, so, so is, this, is this two weeks? Is this two months? Is this six months? So there's some time that's gone on. Um, the disciples were increasing in number. So good, godly growth is happening. But there's this complaint that arises between the Hellenists um, and, and the Hebrews. And the Hellenist widows were not being um, taken care of as far as the distribution. Now remember, the Jews had a system uh, in Judaism where they were to take care of um, widows. Now, um, they didn't have a, a retirement condo in Florida 
Um, they didn't have retirement money set aside for that. So widows, um, once you lost your husband, um, it was just dependent usually upon either your family or um, the community. And you, there was just little bits giving, given. It wasn't a, a, a bounteous thing. And so sometimes they even would lose homes. And so now it's kind of left on the, the tighter community. And so um, what's happening here is that was already set up in Judaism. Now, now this complaint arises. So the first thing to think through is notice it doesn't go into what had happened. It doesn't go into the reason why this was being looked over. Um, but we've got to think through for ourselves. When, when you see a need in a church or something that's happened, it's very easy for us to see, you know, like something, you know, it could be something so small. And if we're not careful, you, you've heard these stories in churches where here's three or four people and they just start gathering like, can you believe that they, they didn't do this? And they jump from what, what the need is to now assuming evil intent in someone. It could be someone in your group. It could be someone in the church. It could be the church leadership. They, these leaders, they, oh, you know, Peter and John, oh, so brave and so godly. They don't even care about widows. We know that God cares about widows. There's so much about God's heart for widows and orphans. Look at Peter and John. They don't even care. The apostles, they're supposed to be all high and mighty. They don't even care about widows. Do you see how easily we, we assume evil intent in someone's heart when, when that's not it at all? It may be, I'm, people are, I, I'm over here just busy, busy, busy. And they go, did you not know that this door was left open? Do you not care about the, the, the bill and the cost of the electricity on that? Just ridiculous. Look, just not even caring. And so we just jump to conclusions. So it doesn't bring up what happened exactly, uh, but there was just this complaint. So let's be quick to be curious and ask without just assuming bad motives. And so that's what happens here. Because of some of the unity. Now, we've so seen this story about all the unity and all the growth together and, and, and even great generosity. And now we're going to get a picture. This is real life. This isn't people that where everyone agrees with everyone. We can't picture this because we don't know Hellenists and Hebrews differently. So let's, let's talk a, bit, a little bit about that. We don't understand how opposed to one another they were. So this is major differences. This was racially um, started. This is about ra uh, racial concerns. But there's also some things uh, about um, just just the, the looking down on one another, and so um, with these um, complaints, um, the 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 Hellenists. So remember, and uh, so remember, you go backwards, eighth century, and then seventh century, sixth century. Um, remember the time of Nehemiah, and and before Nehemiah came, and times when God allowed other countries and nations to come in and and completely destroy Jerusalem and the area around there. And, and Palestine, and then they would take them off. They would take people off as slaves, take them off. Sometimes they would just kill everyone, but they would take lots of numbers of Jews, the majority, like 98%, and move them to other countries. Um, the, the women, the children, and now you've got children and, and some of the men, and they're growing up in these um, Hellenist areas. And so they were being exposed to other cultures, other religions, all kinds of things. So now you're of Jewish descent, but now you may have grown up and intermarried with people from other nations. And so there's, that was God's concern in the Old Testament early on. Remember, it was like, you're going to start picking up their religion. You're going to start dropping me as the main God, and I'm going to become one of a thousand gods to you. And so um, these Hellenists had, had gone through um, some modifications. They had intermarried. There was different things. And one of the biggest things we know is, is they were Greek-speaking. Um, and so in this, 
You've got Hellenists who they feel like, I know that they don't accept me. I know that I'm kind of an outcast, right? The Hebrews, very proud. They were pure. They, they, they kept the law. They kept Moses' law. And depending on whether you're a Sadducee or a Pharisee or in one of those lines, how tight were you on all your rules and stuff? So they looked down on the Hellenists as just, you know, like um, half-breeds. Literally, that, that was some of the wording was the idea. They're half-breeds. They've betrayed God. They've compromised. And so um, as you see that, they're, they're, there's a big issue there going on with um, not only language, but culture. And so in the middle of that, it, it becomes clear that the Hellenists began to feel like um, our, our widows, some of our mothers, are, are not being taken care of in the distribution of food. Um, so um, there had been tension going on for years. Um, we could learn a lot from this, just pausing and, and noticing what happens here. As this church is growing, godliness is, is going on, there's growth happening, um, just, just something begins to be overlooked. Um, with all the busyness, with all the craziness that was going on, there was something that was overlooked. And these um, Hellenists could have taken it and blown it up and, and made a really big issue in the church, which some of you have seen that, uh, and they didn't. So there's, there's just God's grace is covering this. On the other part of the Hebrews or the apostles, they listened. They took the time to care and listen. They didn't just wash that away and think, well, that's just stupid. Don't worry about the physical needs. Where, can't you see? We're healing people. We're doing ministry. People are getting saved. We've got thousands of people that come in the last month and got saved. Why are you bringing up these complaints to us? Because both of those things matter to God. And so we're kind of in this weird place in our own cultural moment where um, there's been some discussion in the last you know, 10 years or six or seven years where if you're ever going to go and help people with their physical needs, you better stop, back up, and check your motives and make sure that helping them won't be seen as just a social injustice thing. Now, there have been large movements that have taken social injustices and allowed that to become the focal point. That's true. So InterVarsity is a great example. It was a huge movement uh, that was all about um, sharing um, the gospel with lost people and in missions. And then over years and years and years, along with other denominations, um, InterVarsity became this place where um, they watered down the gospel and it was all about um, racial reconciliation and um, social injustices to the point that the gospel becomes small. And, and there were still people that were sharing the gospel, but it was, hey, we need to focus on just these things. Now, the church can do that. Churches do that. But we see widows doing without food, and someone says, hey, these widows are doing without food. Well, hey, well, yeah, that's social injustice. I don't want to be a part of that. Don't want to be labeled like that. Let's just keep doing good, godly ministry. That's ridiculous. That's a, that's a horrible place to be. I'm telling you, Jesus would be going, we need both of those things. He never tried to choose between those two. He never tried to separate those two. He, he wouldn't say, just, just don't, don't worry about those people. He had always had compassion. And we're at a weird time where some big celebrities and some big voices in the room are making us question needs right in front of us. I don't know if I'm supposed to do that or not. Let me read a couple of blogs. Let me go listen to a podcast so I can decide on whether I can give this person $2 or go and help them with something. That's a crazy place to be. That, that, that's, that's where we're at. Um, and so um, that's what's kind of going on there. Lots of things that were um, building up for years there. Um, and so in that, um, we have to think through um, this is a gospel opportunity. This isn't just a growth problem. It's a gospel opportunity. 
Um, they're learning the way of Jesus versus the way they used to live. If we begin to gaze at Jesus and we see his compassion, his humbling himself, considering lowly, sinful humans um, that were loved enough to be redeemed and, and served, even though he was glorious and almighty God. If you understand Jesus, you would want to be transformed to be like that. Um, I think this type of transformation um, at this point, it's not as important as our lists for a lot of places. Sometimes even our uh, reform circles, more important than this transformation and change is my list, my list of not only my own moral list, but also what I read and, and this and this and this. And, and we're, we're not really wanting to be transformed. I already, I already have my doctrine down. I already have my knowledge down. I already have what, I know my list. I know how I'm going to do this. I know what's right. And God the whole time is going, man, I'd love for your heart to be softened and for you to be willing to be changed. We're not okay, or we're okay not changing in this area. And I think this would speak volumes in our current cultural landscape uh, with the polarization for us to come in and go like, man, we're, we want to be humble servants in this. Not so concerned about just all these lists. Yet we're, that, that doesn't mean we're okay with sin. No, no, no. We're going to pursue purity and holiness and obedience. But along with that, we want to have compassionate hearts. And you know what? Let me be honest. I'm not very compassionate sometimes. And, and that's not happening a whole lot. In fact, we're, we're digging our heels in and trenching ourselves more on our stances on stuff sometimes than, than having this type of trans, transformation going on. And so they, they go through that. So that's a lot of background for the Hellenists. That wasn't just you know, one quick 30-minute meeting. And so that's, what, that's the setup there. So that's a lot between Hellenists and Hebrews. Um, we have a lot of those similar things going on now inside evangelicalism, not to mention outside when you start dealing with culture, with all the things that our, our culture is dealing with. Again, I think it's a great gospel opportunity for us to be known as people that, that live this way, treat people this way inside and outside because Jesus is ongoingly transforming us. And so they call this congregational meeting. Look, the next part says in verse 2 there, um, they say, it's not right that we should, um, they gather all the full number of disciples. Some people talk about, is that, you know, was that 15,000? Some people say it's probably as, as many as 12, 15, 20,000. Now, they didn't gather them all together in just one meeting and like, hey, raise your hand if you want this or whatever. So they were probably having some broken up little meetings, maybe in the small groups and homes. But they said, it's not right that we should give up preaching the word to serve tables. Um, and they said, so, so you guys pick out from among yourselves. Notice this. We're trusting you guys. Hey, we're trusting you Hellenists to pick out of the other Hellenists, the ones of Greek-speaking people and, and that have all these cultural things. This is a good leadership step for them to go, we're trusting in God's sovereignty that you're going to pick people. And, and notice what they said there. Um, people that were among you of good repute, of full of the Spirit, and of wisdom. And then we're going to appoint them to this duty. But we're going to devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. Um, so notice that um, they're going to make the needs known, and then they're going to have a meeting. They're, they're have, in this meeting, they're going to make the needs known, and then they're going to delegate some of these people to serve in this way. Um, this deepens the gospel maturity of the whole body. Um, it grows the body of believers, but it also shows God's love to those inside the church and those outside watching. They see that happening. As Jesus said in John 13 there, that um, the world's going to see by your love for one another. And they're going to go, they must be Jesus' disciples by their love for one another. Um, 
the apostles, when they say, hey, we're, we must not give up our time in preaching the word to serve tables, that does not mean that they have now felt like they've arrived or that they're better. That's not at all what it means. It's just saying we've discovered very clearly with Jesus the priority for us in our giftings, in our, our role is preaching of the Word of God and prayer. So it's not a matter of them saying, we're too good or we're too important to waste time on these widows. So that, And that's something that happens in churches sometimes. People begin to, um, well, here's the, look at, here's the real spiritual people, and then you've got these people serving over here. We've got God in the flesh, humbling himself, coming down, serving, all the way to the point of the night of his betrayal, washing their feet, taking the lowest form, um, low, uh, lowering himself and washing their feet, humbling himself, going, that's what, what I want you to live like. Um, and at the same time, as, as they're saying, hey, we're going to focus our time on prayer and ministry of the word, now this opens up opportunity for this service to go on with the bigger body of Christ. So you see what's happening there. Now people are learning. That, so they didn't have 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 where it lists out the, the, the gifts of the Spirit and then a description of those things. They didn't have Romans 12. Uh, they didn't have different things where they, they here, here's all these gifts of the Spirit and here's, here's what your gifts are and here's what your gifts are. So this is early on. This is starting to get established. And, and saying, But the body of Christ um, is going to be gifted in this way. And so what happens, we're seeing, this is where it begins talking about um, the um, body of Christ, the priesthood of all believers. So if you've heard some on that. And so the, the apostles say, we are going to focus our time on prayer and ministry of the word. Now let's, let's pause on that. Like I said, this is kind of packed full. You could read over that quickly. Tons of implications on that. You could spend three sermons on just the apostles saying, hey, inside the church, Certain people are going to be gifted from God. It's God's gift, but also um, it's going to be um, a role that they fulfill, and it's on prayer and ministry of the Word. So let's think through that. Um, for 19 centuries, it was established three marks of the true church. Man, this from 1940s on, um, this is, sounds absurd. 1980 on, really absurd. 2000 beyond, crazy. To, to look at this is this is what a true church is. So for you young people, as you go out looking for things, uh, you, you get out, you're out from your mom and dad's house, people listening, measure your church. Here's three things that they had, um, three marks of the church. First of all, um, correct preaching of the gospel, just a correct preaching of the gospel. Is God's word being preached or do I have an agenda where I just need your money? And I'm going to go to a couple of Proverbs or a couple of Psalms, and if you'll give more money, I promise you, God's going to give you a hundredfold. My agenda, me getting more money for the church. I use a couple of scriptures to do that. We, we know that that's the prosperity gospel. Same thing with your health, because your health is very, very important, right? And so when, you're fine until something goes wrong, and then you're like, anyone that will tell me that if I, if I do these things, my health gets completely healed. I'm telling you that God is obligated. He must heal you completely. That sells to people. If a guy gets up and says, I'm telling you this, here's these verses on this. And so we see all those things. Um, the correct preaching of God's word. So um, is all of the preaching leading to the cross? Whether you're in the Old Testament or the New Testament, is it bringing us to the gospel message? We've talked about it repeatedly uh, of Christ and him says life, death, resurrection, his ascension, and he's coming back. And so, correct preaching of the gospel. The second thing was correct ordinances. Um, 
man, around, is before the 1900s, but in some of the 1700s, um, you had secular humanism that was blowing up and just um, enlightenment movement and all these things. But um, even in some solid denominations up to that point, um, the Lord's Supper, it just started getting dropped. Particularly after the 1870s, 1880s, 1900s, programs in churches, programs and busyness, um, and programs, and also now 1900s, Finney, uh, after Finney comes back, and now we're counting numbers all the time, production, producing a certain number, we don't have time for the Lord's Supper anymore. Because we've got these things going on, and we've got this, here's what the service looks like. We don't have time for the Lord's Supper. So for it's an inconvenience. Can you imagine guys who will stand and go, stand before Jesus one day, and have to go like, doing the Lord's Supper once every four months was an inconvenience. Doing it monthly, doing it weekly, it was an inconvenience on your time. And so just, I mean, it just shows that our view of the Lord's Supper is a little bit different than God's view of the guy who said, this means a lot. Don't, don't miss over this. And so that's why we do it every week. We don't do it perfectly. Um, we we want to grow in that, but we want to keep it before us. And so again, Second mark of the true church. If you're not doing that correctly, if it becomes an inconvenience, you've probably moved the gospel and marginalized it. And then the third thing is just correct church discipline. And that doesn't mean every week, hey, let me pick out somebody. Hey, Stan, come down. Come down. And you're, Stan's been doing this. He shared with me this week. We had lunch. Here's what he's doing. So um, let's, let's have a vote out, you know, or we're going to exercise demons or whatever. It's not necessarily church discipline in the form of uh, bringing someone down and kicking them out of the church every time. It's little conversations of, you know, life's really frustrating. I'm just getting sick of my kids and sick of my wife. And, I'm sick, and, and you go, whoa, whoa, whoa. What's going on on the heart level? That may be a one-on-one, just sitting there with lunch, and that's church discipline of you, of correcting, informing. Hey, tell me what's going on. Uh, doctrinally, getting off. I've been reading this stuff, and it's really, I know it could be kind of off, but I'm really interested in this. It could be end-time stuff. It could be whatever, but doctrinally get off. And, and, and a friend goes, no, no, no. Hey, that's not it. That's church discipline. That gets us off. At the church we're at in Tahlequah, um, it was funny, their whole, y'all have heard me tell this before, but there was a, a big group, eight or nine people on the worship stage, and they would um, be singing, and then all of a sudden, the thing, this is the thing that people started noticing. They were like this song that, oh, fathers, uh, we, we, we've glory to God, and all this, but to Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, and they would say, Father, well, you don't notice when it's just one lady. Well, then there's three ladies a month later. Then there's six people that all go, and Father... And they even take this really humble Jesus like, hey, we've noticed for like six or eight weeks or, you know, 20 weeks that everyone drops out and there's only two people singing Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Yeah, well, that's unbiblical. It's heresy. Where did y'all hear that? Well, we don't worship the Trinity. You don't ever worship Jesus or the Spirit, only the Father. Where did y'all hear that? Don's been teaching a class there for the last six months on this. He's got some really good books on it. Now we're all, so that, that was a heresy. That was wrong. And so they were teaching, if you worship the Spirit or the Son, you're, you're in heresy. And so that's the way little things, church discipline comes in and says, hey, no, 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 we, we, we don't want to get that that way. So um, for your soul, think through, how much does it matter to you about um, the, the, the pastor's elders being about prayer and the Word? 
And, and the word, not just Sunday morning preaching, but the word, is so, so think through biblical convictions that give the, the theological vision of the future we're wanting to see. Our biblical convictions create that future of what we're wanting to see. It may not be there, but we're not just going to do whatever, whatever, whatever um, to, 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 to bring in more numbers. But biblical convictions lead to the theological vision, and those two things, convictions from the Bible and theological vision, this leads to our practical ministries. We're going to do these steps and serve these people or do this flowing out of theological vision because of the Bible tells us to be this way. So um, it's formational. It's about soul care. Um, you would be shocked to know um, some of the stats, but also just places where um, pastoral meetings, a weekly pastoral meeting, that may be three or four hours um, and, and literally not 20 minutes, not 30 minutes, not 40 minutes is even spent in prayer. And it could be a church of you know, 1,000, 800, 500, 300. That's a pretty big arrogant thing to go, hey, let's bow our head and close our eyes real quick, guys. Uh, hey, God, just help us this week. Get us some good plans. Uh, help us find some videos on YouTube. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, guys, listen. And now for three and a half hours, we're using our intellect. Over 700 people, 700 souls, 1,000 souls. Think, think through that. that that's, that's not an understanding of you're going to stand and give an account for those souls. And so the preaching of God's word and prayer, that, that's formational. And what, what doctrines are, are we making sure of? All the way from children's stuff, all the way up through adult lessons. Uh, it's formational in, in the direction of what we're learning and hearing. It's developing a theology. Um, what happens when a pastor's heart is shaped more by desires for, in our day, just fame, Celebrity desires to be respected, esteemed, uh, the size of church, um, success, people looking at his success, while not being in the presence of God, not spending time alone with God, which we all know, that, that's kind of hard, isn't it? Is prayer your favorite thing? Spending time alone with God, that's hard. We have to fight for that. We have to fight. The, maybe it's the first four minutes of just going, I keep getting distracted. I keep, you know, I'm, I'm doing it again. I'm still, I start, start to think about that. God, I, you are worth this, though. This is the creator of the universe. You are worthy of this. And so prayer, to sit there and do that and to take the time to do that. You know, pastors that want to do that just a few minutes a day or a few minutes per week, it's really an arrogant thing to go, hey, God, here's two minutes. I've got the rest of this. I can handle the eternal state of their soul by myself. I'm that gifted, that much ability, that much wisdom, that smart. That's just nuts. Um, and so think through that. Not being known by God in his presence and not really knowing the people. So this is a beautiful picture of them knowing the people, hearing what the people is going through. So pastors and shepherds focus on prayer and ministry of the word. And then it opens up this idea for the priesthood of all these believers. They said, um, these guys that come in, they're not um, second rank. They're not JV people. Um, look in verses 5 there. It says, what they say that please the whole crowd. And so here's this emphasis that we see that they, they bring out these uh, men, these seven uh, leaders. And this is all about servant leadership. And back in verse 3, they said, we want these uh, people that you select to be of good reputation. They're known as godly people. They're not second class. Uh, they're not way um, just weak in the faith. They're of good reputation. They are godly. They're full of spirit and wisdom. And so that right there, full of spirit and wisdom, that's saying it's spiritually minded. That's driving things. But what is wisdom? Wisdom is truth applied. So a great definition for wisdom is taking truth, applying it to life. 
in a godly way. And so, hey, we want them to be full of the Spirit, but also we want them to have wisdom on how to react and how to use God's Word to apply to life. So character was a high, high value for them. Um, and, and they go through this name, and so when they give us this, this, this list of names here, notice this also. They were all Greek, so they told the Hellenists, you can choose from among yourselves. So there's this picture of diversity that comes together that people just look over and don't realize. that That's guys that we don't want in leadership, because why? They're Hellenists, they're half-breeds. And so you have this beautiful picture uh, of them trusting and them going, hey, uh, we're submitting to you as the congregation, and you as the congregation are submitting to the leadership of that. It's a beautiful picture there. And so um, this this lists seven men. Um, further in the New Testament and in Romans and in church, church historically, deacons included women also. Uh, but the Greek intentionally has a neuter gender. So when it talks about elders, it's male. When it talks about deacons, it's purposely a neuter gender where it's male or female. Um, and so not only here, but in, in the word, even the word for deacon that we have is arrived from serving or waiting tables. So that picture, not, not mean just tables, but the idea of servant. So a deacon just means servant. And so um, in those places, these guys are not JV. And so you have this beautiful picture of these apostles setting the tone here. We're having the first time where deacons are brought on. And so these apostles who become elders, pastors in that church, um, they are over the serving the spiritual formation, spiritual direction. These deacons will be over meeting, laboring to, to help with the physical needs of the body. And so you have elders and deacons, an early picture there of that. Now, these are not just uh, you know second-class guys, like I've said. Um, the rest of chapter 6, Stephen, who's not an apostle, it goes into Stephen. And Stephen, what does he do? One of the greatest sermons in the history of the church. Uh, more people have probably heard Stephen's sermon here. Um, and what does it get him? For being a really great, godly guy, full of the Spirit, close to God, being used by God, he gets killed by stones coming at him. So, what about faithfulness? What about blessings from God? He gets killed right there. Um, the next part um, with in, in chapter 8, we'll see Philip going to Ethiopia. So these are not second-class guys that are just busy doing this. They were probably delegating. They were probably using different people. And they, they pick seven. Some people say they probably pick seven so for one guy to cover one day of the week, right? So seven different guys there. Um, so beautiful picture there. Um, the apostles pray for them, they laid hands on them, and they assigned them to this service. Um, so it's this tangible picture of authority being released. And then notice the summary that happens there in verse 7. And the word of God continued to increase. So what was it that increased? Was it a focus on numbers? Luke's doing a thing now. He does, he's not going to bring up big numbers anymore. He, he's going to sh- show us pictures of um, the word of God going forward and of disciples being dispersed in that idea of Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And so the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly. What happens if we get to the place where it's not God's word that is being taught? What happens if if it gets to the place where the fundamentals are dropped? Teaching God's word and the gospel, like I said earlier, so the, the first mark there of teaching the Bible correctly. If we say we don't need the fundamentals right now, we just need high life application points. We just need something that's more practical. We don't need rich theology. We don't need the gospel. We already know those things. Give me just something that's more practical. What happens there? Um, We get away, and we don't see disciples multiplied greatly, going deeper in their faith. Um, It even says that a great many priests became obedient to the faith. So what's that? 
priests were the ones um, who were just putting Peter and John and the other apostles in jail. They were the opposition. So over time, um, and this is where some people would say that this might have been Gamaliel, this might have been uh, Nicodemus, some of these Pharisees and Sadducees who were the opposition, who were you know saying, crucify him. And then later on, like, put Peter and John in jail. And then like, hold it, that really makes a lot of sense. I'm studying the scripture, spirit's doing work, and they become converted, uh, many of those people. For us to think through, that's the people in our life that we think that, that there's no way that they could be saved. There's no way. So, so in, in our life, we may have people that you just go, there's no way that I think that they, God would save them. It's a beautiful picture that, that Luke brings up. Now, as we look at this, um, the, um, the thing for, let's look at application just real quickly in closing. Um, for This is good for us to cover. Hopefully, as God brings growth for sojourn, um, here are some of the areas that, that, are, um, that, that we need to think through. And so here's some areas that would be good for our church. And so I put a list of things up there. So we've got people that have stepped up saying, hey, we want to just take some of these kids, and we'd love to have a class just to do that. Um, also with um, Sojourn Youth, just go like, what are some ideas? And it's, it's weird and it's awkward. They're at a weird, awkward stage. And then to bring them together when it's not like 40 of them, it's easy when there's 40 or 100 because you can just kind of find your two people and kind of just like do weird stuff. But when there's six or seven, everyone's just like, oh, this is weird. If you notice when you get them together, um, what happens with young kids or with youth, that if you get a game going or you do something like they usually have a good time. It might sound silly at the front end, but so at that point, just having um, something for youth. Another thing, if people come and visit, um, then, oh, there is something for our children. There is something for youth. So you guys be praying. Is that an area that I love working with youth? Just little things. I'm not talking about four things a month, but just having once a month or having some different times of meeting with people. When Jamie and I were in Northwest Arkansas, I was complete bivocational, and I was, I was probably four nights a week. We didn't have kids, just meeting with the youth, just discipling the different youth. And so meeting together with a, two or three of the guys from youth and just, just getting with them. And Jamie was doing the same with the girls there. And so there's different ways of doing that. Um, and so that's one. The AV media team, Andy's kind of stepped up just going, hey, we want to um, we want to just kind of make sure things are tight with some of the AV media stuff. In the same way, the PAC said, "Hey, we want to step up and just bless the church, and we believe this is foundational. Uh, it's such a huge thing for our children. We want to add this thirty minute class. It may seem small, but it's huge, um, and it's tough when you start doing it. And then like week, you know, there's like seven, there's six, and then week three, you know what happens? There's only two, and you're like, are we wasting? We killed ourselves getting here. We were sending, you know, sending mixed signals to our kids trying to get here in frustration, and then there's two. What happened? That that's it's it's worth it. it. It just takes time. The same thing with social media. Um, there's a couple that's wanting to help out with social media and communication, um, outreach events. Um, the Robinsons said, "Hey, we kind of like that kind of stuff, and so we're kind of uh, gifted in that, or we like enjoy that stuff. So, hey, we, we'd like to s- help with that." Um, the finance team, getting a couple of people. We're going to be possibly moving from Finch to, um, remember Kyle and Sierra? Sierra may st- start helping with that, but there's people that would could help on our end. If, once, if we get rid of this company that keeps all that stuff straight, then then we'll need that, that help with the finance team. Um, hospitality, first impressions, gospel, some people over gospel community, so, so lots of areas. Um, now add into that, Here's my tendency. So this is my weaknesses. I know it's it's kind of the miraculous, the whatever you call that. I, I know some of you, it shocks you, but um, weaknesses for me. Um, so this all depends on the group that's being led. So when we first started, we would like, you know, first few weeks or first few months, hey, in four weeks, guys, on a Sunday, we're going to do this. We're going to have this event. We're going to do this. And I would send that out on a Sunday. 
Monday. And y'all just let me know what y'all want to do or who wants to take this. Crickets, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And you guys know it because once, if you're put in charge of something, like, hey, I'm going to have this thing. And then they, they text the group or they send the Slack message out. And they're like, oh my God, by Monday, they're like, they're all going to hell. No one has responded. I put this message out there. I can't believe people aren't responding. Like, That's every time. It's don't take it personal. It's, and it's nothing about your idea or whatever. That's just kind of the way. And that's also, instead of face-to-face talking, that's text, that's Slack, that's those things. So in that, we're notorious for not being real self-initiating. And so repeatedly, people said, hey, Sankey, I And so what would happen with those early texts, like, it would go silent, that Sunday, I might get up, hey, remember, now it's three weeks, and we're going to do this thing. Remember, everyone's like, mm-hmm. send out a second message on that Sunday. <laughs> then by that time, like either Tyler or Katie, that next Thursday, so we'd go for like two weeks, and be like, hey, I think that people want to help out and are willing. They just, they're waiting for you to select them and tell them what to do. And so on that, I've been around a lot of people that have, are controlling, and day one, they want to use you. For their agenda, and so I, I don't like that. And so those are three things about me. I do I, one thing. I, I I can go without very much structure. I'm very fluid, and most people need a lot more structure. So all the leadership things say, thank you. Just know you're very very non-structured, and you don't need it. Um, but other people do, and so I understand. So that's a weakness. Um, it can be a strength on some things, but it, it can be a weakness for the bigger group. Also, not needing control or to use people. I'm not not going to try to do that. I've seen guys for their own sake or for to, to make something look really successful, and so I just want to stay away from that. I'll probably, if I ask something a couple times and it gets dropped or it get the follow through's not, I probably won't throw a fit about it. I'll, I'll just let it get dropped. Instead of controlling it day one and going, hey, here's how it has to look, has to be perfect, has to be exceptional, or this, this church fails. Like those type places, they work, and everything looks really good. You don't want to know the behind the scenes. There's, there's, a, there's a couple of really well-known, well-established churches, 55 to 60 firings inside the church in a four-year period. 55 to 60 firings because we hired you. You were going to make our youth go from 300 to 400 You've been here three months. It's not a 400. You're fired. Is that the body of Christ? Or is that like an assembly line, you know, for Amazon? And so um, thinking through those things, you don't want to become that way. Also, I'm not going to micromanage. So we need more structure. Um, it helps people see and understand vision direction. We need more directing. So I'm doing those things. I, I'm not about begin to kind of pull people together. And, and, and it's been said, hey, people need to be directed a little bit more. And so I'll try to be a little bit better on that. And then also just more feedback on the follow through. Um, so those are areas that we can grow in as we're as as we've got elders as we've got beginning to add teams of people. And another thing, what I've heard repeatedly, I, I deal with the people on the back end four months, and they're literally leaving the church because someone come and said, hey, Janet, Janet, we want you to be in hospitality and greeting. Janet is, ter- is terrified of people. She loves little jelly-faced two-year-old toddlers. She is fearful in front of people, whatever, insecurities. And now we stuck her at the front door, and we said, Janet, here's your role. And so she, she's now, not only is she calling in sick two out of four weekends, she doesn't want to do that, so she's dropping out of the church. And I meet them when they're leaving the church. And you're like, hold on, what, what's going on here? Well, someone made a directional move and appointed someone to something that they're fearful in. So they're like, hey, what would you like to serve in? 
And so think through that. And so again, we're going to be talking about those things, bringing those things up. Um, the last, you know, last Wednesday night, uh, we this past Wednesday night, that's what we talked about in group. This next Wednesday night is the same thing. We put three or four ideas together, thinking through the, the end of the spring and the summer, getting ready for the fall. Some of those opportunities, but some of those things I'll list, and there's more. Um, there's some other things. Uh, Brad, uh, it's going to be an announcement in a little bit. Brad is saying he gets lonely up here. He looks like a lonely guy, doesn't he? I mean, does everyone see Brad just with tears? Just he's a little lonely guy, and so. Um, He's like, hey, man, I'd love to have some people join me. And so um, if we transition to a new place also, it might even provide an even easier situation for that. But um, we'll be doing that. And so Brad can talk to you about that. Talk to Brad about that. We need more of that growing. So all of those things to say that that is a beautiful picture of as God is doing work, that there are things that the body of Christ, the 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 priesthood of all believers, step up to cover things that when you're walking in your gifts, you find much joy in it. doesn't mean it's easy. It may, be, it may be a difficult servant thing, but you find joy and worth in that because of Christ and because he, he kind of created you that way. And so people are wired differently. And so that's what we want to kind of grow in. This is a great section showing that as the church goes forward. Um, so in walkaways, just thinking through, I put some things on the board. You can read some of those. Um, um, when you become aware of an area of need, something's overlooked, where does your heart start pointing? Are you quick to start pointing problems? Why didn't they? Why didn't they? Why didn't they? And maybe you didn't. You don't even know that maybe they tried and tried and tried and tried and, and things just didn't work out. And, and what you got was the best that was available. Same place, same thing in your workplace, in your family. Does your heart see the value of some leaders laboring in prayer and ministry of the word? Another big foundational part. And then other leaders laboring in other needs being met. And you don't take one of those as, well, this is really spiritual and these other people aren't. They're just the servants. That's a wrong view. Um, and then also, are you maturing and growing in character and grace and godliness to fulfill God's use of you through the local body? And the fourth one there, do you tend to move towards the needs of others or do you just wait to see if they ask for your help? Jamie and I, when we were in Northwest Arkansas, uh, the lady was going through a horrible situation of her dad passing away, and they had blessed and blessed and blessed families. And Jamie and I, uh, I remember um, she was broken. We went out and sat and talked with them for like an hour, and we were sitting there, and we and they were older, and this guy made tons, over probably over half a million dollars. He was in the top 10 at Walmart. And so we said, uh, hey, we were going to bring you something, and she, and she, I said, we said something about our, we're going to help out and bring you a meal. And um, we said, is there anything else we can do? And she said, and this lady said, you know, I wish people understood. So you're bringing us a meal. That, you're, you know, you're a new married couple. I wish the church understood. Instead of just asking, hey, hey let us know. Your parent just passed away. You had this horrible situation. You know, let us know if there's anything. How many people do you know call and tell, I'm going to list out 10 people. You see a need, go and self-initiate and go and serve. Um, I did this this week. I, I called and did exactly what I said not to do, I think, with Charlene. I said, hey, let us know if we need anything. I know your life's chaotic and your husband's gone all week. And I'm like, hey, I see you're drowning over there. Let us know if you need a towel thrown in. You know, And so, and so that you need to just step in and do it sometimes. They're not going to go, oh, yeah, we really need this and this and this. Can we borrow a car? And could you bring us a meal on this night? And then the next thing, they're not going to do that. So we, you step towards people, self-initiate. Um, you don't have to get the permission to care for them. Um, and it, it, it may, We've had that experience so many times. It amazes people. Um, and then last, are there areas you might enjoy serving in? 
and have gift serving in that could help love and serve our local body and then also uh, the needs around us. So, so a beautiful time as we're going through the body of Acts. We're not going, uh, the, the book of Acts. We're not going through the book of Acts to just gain more knowledge. Um, it, it's not a history lesson. We're not hoping to store away bullet points of knowledge. We're asking and believing and wanting much more than that for, for God to, to do the things that he's doing in the book of Acts, that he can do that now. He can do those things. It may be different, but it's a supernatural work. And for us to go, I know it's hard, but to break away from just the physical, natural world to go, God, would you be transforming my heart? And would you be strengthening us and boldness like we see in Acts to, to be gospel word people, but also, also gospel deed people? That's why we're going through the book of Acts, not just to fill time or to learn a better history lesson about the early church. No, we're going, God, you're guiding us through that. Spirit, would you change us in that? And so let me pray as we uh, close up. Father, we, we thank you for this little section in Acts. We thank you for the beauty that comes out of it. It's so packed with so much for the church. Uh, we thank you for your beautiful design of those roles that would be uh, the, the leaders uh, laboring in the spiritual direction and the, the word and prayer. And that the other side, that, that those laboring in the physical needs, the, they don't do without prayer. They don't do without the spirit. It's the same thing. But they're gifted in these other areas, and they're serving the physical needs. And one's not greater than the other. Uh, for some, the, the role and then the priority is on the, um, the prayer and the word to administer to the people. And then the others to take the prayer and word and to move in deeds. And so, God, what a beautiful picture of, of your son, Christ. He came and did both those things for us. Uh, we thank you that we have that picture, that he's our guiding uh, post, that he's the one that we look to in that. And he's also the one providing us with the ability to, and empowerment to do that. The, the spirit would empower us to be that type of people. Um, we pray that you would continue to challenge us with this and help us to grow. In your name we pray. Amen.